If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Let us pray. Oh God, one of our favorite stories about you tells that you rested after creating the world. Many other stories remind us to rest like you did. But Holy One, we have never done anything so impressive as creating the world. What do we need to do to earn this rest? Or do we just take rest because you said so? God, help us to find the gift of rest in you and because of you. Help us to breathe into a place of rest. Because even though we have not created the world, we create and are creating in so many ways. We need and deserve the gift of rest in order to honor you and in order to honor ourselves as your creations. God, help us to create a world where we acknowledge, respect, and offer gratitude for those who need rest and for those who help us to rest. For those who till the fields and grow the food, and harvest the crops, and cook the meals, and clean the dishes. For those who care for our children, and assist our elders, and patch the potholes, and repair the plumbing. O Holy One, help us to make sure they get rest because they are your holy ones too, and we all need the gift of rest. As we enter into this time of quiet prayer and reflection, let us offer in our hearts to God the names of the sick, the sad, 
the suffering. For those in Haiti, those in Afghanistan, those hospitalized with COVID, and those who are caring for them. For those in the line of tropical storms and forest fires. O Holy One, hear us as we name in our hearts the least, the last, the lost, the lowly, and the lonely. We pray especially for those who slept outside last night because they had nowhere else to go, and for those who will be seeking shelter from the heat all day today. Help us, O God, as we care for your creation. We pray for the wind and the water and the woods and the wildlife. Holy One, help us to keep our hearts centered on you. Amen. Back in February, I was planning a little vacation for our family, myself, my husband, and our two kids who are here today, I'm happy to say. And while I was planning that, I was thinking about the year we had spent in the house together, mostly a lot. I mean, you all went through it too, and I realized I really wanted to go on vacation all by myself. No offense to my husband and children. I love them very much. And we did have a nice vacation in February, but I tried to listen to that feeling. And so I started to try to figure out how I could take what I started to call a mamacation. And I'm so grateful that we have the means and I have a supportive spouse so that I was able to do that. It ended up being me in a hotel room, some microwave popcorn, a good book, a bath bomb, and a bottle of wine. And I was sitting there in the quiet, not reading my book, not knitting my knitting, just breathing. And I heard this still small voice, which was a little familiar, and it said, Yo, Lise, you need to take some Sabbath time more regularly. And I recognized that as the voice of God as I experience it. So when I got home from my mamacation and we all sat together at our family meal, I said, family, I need to let you know something I learned while I was gone. I need to take 
some Sabbath time regularly. So there are going to be times, usually Sundays, when I say to you, no, I can't do that right now. Or, sorry, I can't help you with that just this minute. And my daughter very quickly, she gave me permission to tell you this story, said, Mama, you have taught us about some religion that has something like that. And I said, yes, that's right. That's very smart. That's Judaism. But you know what? We're supposed to do that too in Christianity. And I feel that I have failed as a pastor and as a Bible professor that you didn't know that. Whim for the world religions professor though. Some of my closest friends and family members would find it ironically hilarious that I come to you today to preach about rest because I am not very good at doing it. But it is a major theme in the Bible and an important part of, yes, Christianity as well as Judaism. So I actually have four scriptures this morning. They're fairly short to touch on as I consider this topic of the Sabbath. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, the word Sabbath means rest or just to cease. It means to stop. And it was observed on the seventh day of the week. And it became a distinctive factor of uh, Judaism. It, it was the thing that set the ancient Israelites apart and then in turn Judaism as it developed. So the first scripture passage is from Exodus 20, 8 through 11, and this is the first version of the Ten Commandments, and it goes like this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your home, in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So according to this version of the Ten Commandments, we rest because God rested, and keeping Sabbath is a way to honor God. Now the second version of the Ten Commandments is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and almost the whole thing is exactly the same as the first version, except the reason for keeping Sabbath. It's a little different here. So it starts out the same. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt 
And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So in this explanation of the Sabbath, we rest because we remember what it was like to be slaves who had no rest. And our rest ensures others rest, or it reminds us to make sure that others have rest. So the Sabbath becomes a gift for ourselves and one that we give to others. Another thing not mentioned in this passage, but I think is important to note, is that Sabbath keeping was a way for ancient Israelites to set themselves apart from their oppressors. So in 587 BCE, when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and took a bunch of the leaders into exile in Babylon, they couldn't practice sacrifice or the uh, priestly system in their temple, but they could keep Sabbath. And then in the year 70 CE, when the Romans destroyed the second temple, again, keeping Sabbath became the way for ancient Israelites and Jews as they were uh, developing to set themselves apart from the others. So the third scripture is from the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's where I take a moment of shameless self-promotion because I have a new book about Ecclesiastes. It was pointed out to me that I should not go three weeks in this pulpit and not show you my new book. Now, so this is a commentary on Ecclesiastes called Kohelet, which is the Hebrew name for Ecclesiastes, a commentary as one of my kids described it after I explained it, is a book about a book. And this in, in particular is a feminist commentary, which if you know me, would go without saying. In any case, there are signed copies available at Full Circle. So from Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verses seven through 10, and here I've edited the New Revised Standard Version a bit. Go, eat your bread with enjoyment, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has long ago approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Do not let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your absurd life that are given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in the place of death to which you are going. Now, this passage is one of seven examples of a theme in Ecclesiastes, and that theme is seize the day. There's another prominent theme in Ecclesiastes, and that is absurdity, traditionally translated vanity, but I think a better translation is absurdity, and that occurs 38 times. So one thing I thought a lot about is how seize the day in Ecclesiastes kind of balances out absurdity, maybe 
it's a salve for the absurdity of life. Or maybe it's a distraction. Sometimes eat and drink and be merry can get out of hand. But my favorite line that I wrote in the book was in reflecting on Seize the Day, and that was to ask kind of a follow-up question. Can I seize the day if I had to fix the feast? I suppose that depends on a lot of things. Maybe, for instance, if you like cooking. Also, did you have to fix the feast or was it your choice? In other words, is our joy at the expense of someone else? Who provides for our seizing the day? And when and how do they get their own rest? It's also interesting that in this example of seize the day in chapter nine, the author goes on to add, enjoy life with a woman whom you love. And for me, this takes eat and drink and enjoy your life and transforms it a little bit into eat and drink and enjoy your wife. I would transform that a bit further to say that one would hope that seize the day can include loving the people who we love. Well, finally, for the fourth scripture from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, and I read this partly to dispel some common misunderstandings. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. The religious authorities watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. So I want to say clearly, this is a biased representation of first century Judaism. This depiction of the Pharisees is not a good universal depiction of Jewish Sabbath keeping. There has always been a provision within Judaism to save life even on the Sabbath. But what we see here in this gospel passage is a debate that was going on within Judaism about whether an ongoing physical issue like this man's withered hand should be taken care of on the Sabbath. Since it is not life-threatening, does it really have to be done on the Sabbath? In other words, should physicians get a day off too? 
Here we are overhearing a first century debate among Jews, Jesus was one of them, about whether or not it was approved to do the work of healing on the Sabbath. So in the first century, in Jesus' time, there were various forms of Judaism. And among those groups, there were disagreements among Jews about topics like Sabbath keeping, but also about resurrection and the coming of a Messiah. And in this passage, we see early followers of Jesus debating with the religious authorities this small sect of leaders who are called the Pharisees. But most ordinary Jews wouldn't have really minded Jesus doing this healing. They would have been fine with healing work on the Sabbath. In fact, most ordinary Jews during that time were lucky to get Sabbath time themselves because they were suffering at the hands of the Romans. So again, Judaism then and ever since that time is clear that emergency healing work is allowed on the Sabbath. So we Christians do not need to think less of Judaism in order to think well of Jesus. But that is sometimes how these gospel passages come off because there was quite a rift developing at that time. Jesus was intent on healing. And Jesus' earliest followers understood that, uh, that as one of many reasons there was conflict between him and the religious authorities. This passage can be a reminder that one person's view about how to keep the Sabbath does not have to be every person's view about how to keep the Sabbath. But the central point is that this passage marks Jesus as inextricably linked to the act of healing. That was a crucial part of his identity. And there are other New Testament passages where Jesus models rest. Rest in a garden, on a boat, being received as a guest in someone's house. The New Testament, and when it was written, starting decades after Jesus' death, that's a marker of the time when Jews and Christians began to depart on the issue of when to keep the Sabbath. You see, Jesus' earliest followers were Jews who continued to keep the Sabbath on Saturday, if they could. But eventually, as Christianity developed, observance of a holy day shifted to Sunday for Jesus' followers. So the focus went from being a day of holy rest to a day of resurrection. But we still have those commandments for Sabbath keeping. And so I'm wondering, how do we, as Christians in the United Church of Christ, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy? We don't have the centuries of rabbinic literature that our Jewish neighbors have, like the Talmud, that explain the details of how to keep the Sabbath. So we may have what Barbara Brown Taylor calls holy envy 
for our Jewish neighbors who know all the rules, or at least their particular community may have particular rules about keeping the Sabbath. We should not go to myjewishlearning.com, even though that is a good website, to find out how we should keep the Sabbath though there's no harm in learning about our Jewish neighbors, and we would find that there is still much variation among Jewish denominations about how to keep Sabbath, there is no need to engage in cultural appropriation in order to keep the Sabbath. But in contemporary Christianity, there is remarkably little attention to keeping both the day of resurrection and a day of rest. So we need to determine for ourselves and within our communities how to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. In the United Church of Christ, we have in our history from one of our predecessor traditions called the Christian Connection, uh, a, a phrase that goes like this, the right of private judgment interpretation of scripture and liberty of conscience. So we take the text, we consider it carefully in community and determine how do we go about keeping the Sabbath holy? Well, if facts are convincing to you in developing your spiritual practices as they tend to be to me, Uh, Here's a couple of helpful ones. I got these from Bryce Covert's New York Times article, July 20th. The article was entitled, Eight Hours a Day, Five Days a Week is Not Working for Us. And she points out, for one thing, if everyone worked a little less, it would be easier to spread the work out more evenly to more people. She also cited research that shows that workers' output falls sharply after about 48 hours a week for the workaholics among us. I also consulted an author named Lauren Winner, who has both Judaism and Christianity in her background, and she wrote a book called Mudhouse Sabbath. Mudhouse is the name of her favorite coffee shop. And she says, you know, Sabbath is not just about what we call self-care. It's also about holiness. So we need to take seize the day and pair that with the line from your sung benediction here at Mayflower, walk humbly with your God. Different people need different things to to get both rest and holiness. There are some people who have no problem taking time off from work, but they might need more help making it holy. Also, there are different life circumstances. I was thinking of, for instance, when my husband and I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old at the same time. It was a time of great delight and joy and utter and complete exhaustion, and I'm sometimes amazed that we survived it. Clergy are a special case. I mean, is this what I'm doing work? 
Most clergy would say yes and take another day off besides Sunday. I'm going to take a moment as an interim pastor here. One of my former lives included being an interim pastor. And part of the job of the interim pastor is to work with the congregation between pastors, prepare the road for the new pastor. And I know you all know Reverend Dr. Walke well already but you have yet to install her as your new senior pastor. And so I want to encourage you to encourage her and support her in Sabbath time. This little sabbatical she's having right now is a great start. And it has to be more than just, did you take your Sabbath time this week? But doing the sorts of things that these folks are doing and have been doing and many of you here that have made it possible for her to have this Sabbath time. But she needs that every week. So how do we develop our own practices of Sabbath time? It's an ongoing spiritual journey but here are some ideas, first from our scriptures. The goal is holy rest. We rest like God rested. We ensure others rest, like we saw in Deuteronomy. Remember what it was like to have no rest, and so you give rest to others. Ecclesiastes. Eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy a lovely meal with people who you love. And be mindful of those who fixed the feast. And make sure they get their Sabbath time too. From Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, the primary importance of healing, of saving life. And today I think of this great example of people giving blood in, the, in this very building. For some of us, it is worship, the joy of rest in community. Maybe it's a hike, being out in nature, or a little bit of both on the same day. Maybe it's reading, and I mean restful reading, not doom scrolling or catching up on your work reading. Here's one that I'm trying to work on. Just sitting and breathing and feeling the comfort, the gift of rest. It might be walking, maybe not this kind of walking. Maybe making music or listening to music. Maybe even a little Dungeons and Dragons with some good friends. I've been trying lately to think about preparing for Sabbath time all week, getting stuff done because I'm not going to do it during my Sabbath time. And it has made me understand something that the rabbis wrote in the Talmud in Tractate Shabbat, where they talked about welcoming the, the Sabbath was like, looking forward to your wedding. 
I make some rules for myself because I'm a rule follower. So I look at the laundry and I think, can't do it today, not allowed. So if rules help, give that a try. Friends, may we today find rest in God who has modeled Sabbath, who has commanded Sabbath, who has given us the gift of Sabbath. Let us give the gift of Sabbath to ourselves, and may we ensure the gift of Sabbath for others, particularly those who provide for our own Sabbath time. May we all find the holiness of rest for all. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only, premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.